Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by CoachMe Plus. CoachMe Plus is the leader in athlete management software and a product that we've been lucky enough to implement here for over two years now. The product in and of itself is exactly what you need it to be, guys, with options ranging from being a workout provider, as in sending the workout directly to the student-athlete's phones, to being a place where you can communicate with them and bring together multiple streams of data to be its own dashboard for you, your coaching staff, or the athletes. Or you can use what we've added to our, our menu of Coach Me Plus activities, and that's Hydration Station, where all of this information that is provided is based off of research from the Corey Stringer Institute, where we're looking at weighing in versus weighing out and then providing optimal hydration uh, strategies for the student-athletes by them selecting through the menu and tapping on what they'll take home with them and what they're consuming prior to the next practice um, when all the numbers at the top are lined up green. It's something we've had really good success with and the kids have really bought in on. Just another great example of the awesome product that you can find at coachmeplus.com. Guys, hop over to coachmeplus.com today and check it out. It's a product I guarantee you won't be disappointed with. Hey everybody, if you enjoy the podcast and the content it provides, be sure to hop over and check out the community. The community is an exclusive members website that is just an extension of what we do here in July at the Central Virginia Sport Performance Seminar. What it is is a combination of video lectures, a coach's corner with your Monday morning take-home information, and a forum where you can talk about anything and everything related to the field of strength and conditioning. In the community, you'll find content added each month from some of the top practitioners in the world ranging from PhDs to high-level coaches, bringing you exactly what they're doing with their athletes or their research at the present moment. On top of that, an additional discussion by coaches bringing you that Monday morning information, things that you can add to your training program right away. Tying that in with the opportunity to discuss with coaches around the world in the forum on anything and everything from the topics addressed in these presentations to whatever you're seeing in your daily life as a coach. If this sounds like the right thing for you and your staff, Go ahead and hop over to cvasps.com slash community and try it out for 48 hours for just a dollar. If you like it, you're signed up, ready to roll, and you're jumping into all the great content added each month. If not, feel free to go ahead and cancel at any time. No questions asked. We're really excited about what we're building in the community and hope you are too. Go ahead and hop over to cvasps.com slash community and check it out today. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. Today, guys, we are joined with Ely Trailfinder's Sam Portland to discuss the research he's doing right now on the impact of playing surface on fatigue and rugby players. Guys, we're going to get right into it. Sam's going to break down what he's looking at and why he's looking at it. He then gets into you know what uh, measurements he's looking at with the jumps and why jump height isn't necessarily a gold standard when we're looking at residual fatigue. We then shift gears and start talking about training and programming. You know, he breaks down how, you know, less really is more and even gives a, a really in-depth example of a 14-day rollover that he used with some really good success with one of his athletes out there in Ealing. Uh, you know, and we finish off discussing some training methods that he's had really good success with uh, and some different progressions he's implemented when it comes to improving game speed with his athletes. This is really an awesome talk, guys. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Let's get right to it. Sam, it's been a long time coming, homie. Glad we could finally get this down. 
Yeah, thanks for having me on, Jay, mate. I really, uh, really appreciate it. Yeah, man. So listen, let's uh, just real quick, let's give an intro. Who are you? What you doing like, for, you know, for the person or two that doesn't follow you and everything you're doing right now? <laughs> yeah, so uh, my name is Sam Portland. Um, I'm a strength and conditioning coach working in professional rugby and doing some track consultancy in the UK. Uh, about six foot three, ginger hair, devilishly handsome. Um, enjoy having a good time whilst I'm coaching. I think fun is possibly one of the most important facets like that we were just talking about. Um, doing my MSc at the moment, uh, doing my final uh, research project on acute neuromuscular fatigue on artificial versus grass surfaces. Love all things speed, love movement, um, and love uh, love the banter, let's put it that way. Yeah, man, 100%. And excited for this because we're going to get right into what you're doing with that. So let's talk yeah. about what you're looking at, how you're looking at it, and, and where you see it going. Okay, so, yeah, the research... Um, it's quite. It's come at like a really nice time. I'm doing my MSc part time. Um, it's taken me like six years to do it because I've been coaching full time uh, alongside it. And you know, anyone that knows coaching knows that MSCs don't make you a better coach. Um, you know, you've got to be on the ground. You've got to be doing it. But it's nice to have that that knowledge and an opportunity to do a project of what I'm doing at the moment. So my club that I work with. Um, Full time in artificial surface, so um, which is which is quite rare in the UK. I think there's only a few teams that do it. Um, Saracens one of the first to have it, but they only play on it. They train on grass, uh, but we we train full time on it. So what I'm, what I've started to look into is like realistically is we don't really know how that affects the player. And how that affects their um, accumulative fatigue and immediate fatigue. We get a lot of injuries out of it, especially around the pubic region um, and Achilles. So, you know, a, a lot of the research has only looked at the injuries in in, in the artificial surface, and it's, it's still such an unknown quantity. So, what we're going for is using uh, the counter movement jump. Uh, to assess acute neuromuscular fatigue when contrasting uh, match performance on grass and artificial. So when we play at home versus when we play away. And we, we look to see what sort of what effects are actually happening. And we're using um, a guy called uh, Rob Gaffercole out of um, uh, Australia is, is basically pushed us in the right direction. Like he looked at... Um, alternative counter movement jump analysis to quantify acute neuromuscular fatigue and so we've we've spun off the back of his research to to use his his variables that he's looked at which are i've got the paper in front of me uh force at zero velocity area under the force velocity trace eccentric duration concentric duration total duration and mean eccentric and concentric power over time so with their, with that, we're like we're getting into a lot of detail, and 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 basically sort of dispelling jump highs any sort of important metric. Um, you know, for me, like at Ealing, I've got my own Pascos. I've had them for a couple of years. So uh, last year, my first year, we went straight in. We were counter movement jumping guys on the plates, looking at asymmetries, which some of it is staggering. What some of these guys can can produce um and so we've got a little bit of data looking at some of those variables already 
but now I'm actually really excited just to see, you know, what this is actually going to tell us. I, I think that's fascinating stuff, and I love all that. And, you know, we've talked about how we're starting to look at stuff on the force plates with, uh, with our athletes over here, too. I think one thing that will help people understand a little better is so you said that the, the vertical jump, this is kind of dispelling that it being a, a, a reasonable measurement of readiness. Let's talk about, you said you were measuring four things or looking at four numbers. Let's talk yeah, about so, those and what they are. Yeah, so uh, first one would be like force at zero velocity. So, which is the force extended at the end of the counter movement jump, where the jump transition from eccentric to concentric movement happens, basically. So, it's 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 really um, that amortization stage. So, yeah, it's 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 that amortization stage, and I guess as well, like what these variables are, are telling you is how, is how you get into the end product. You know, and and of that of that jump height, essentially. Um, and I think that's where we'll find it with the study across different positions of rugby, especially because it caters for, for a lot of different physical characteristics that you'll see how that will change from athlete to athlete. hundred percent. And it's for people that haven't looked at this, those numbers, like now they're not going to be like gigantic numbers. But like no. the actual differences in them when you look at them can be staggering. Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah, and it, like you know, I've got some some other data from some sprinters and stuff, and to compare and like say like force at zero velocity, it's not a lot. It really isn't a lot. And you know, like those in terms of when you're looking at locomotion and stuff, those guys are like the benchmark they're the elite they're 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 what everyone is com- trying to compare a lot of their data to um and we're you know they're you got like an 87 kilo sprinter and we've got a 125 kilo front row you know to keep that in um in context is incredibly important no 100 percent. and then the last two or last three when you're talking about you know the the time in, in eccentric and concentric two is looking at how the jump is produced, and then, and that's super important too in this situation. Yeah, so it's eccentric duration, concentric duration, and mean eccentric and concentric power over time. Um, with our protocol as well, we don't, we've not standardized depth um, because if you standard like in anything, standardized depth, you change, you're changing someone's inherent recruitment strategy. So, so we just say hands on hips. And let it rip. Just jump as high as you can when I tell you to. And and we've got all different all different depths because we've got different movers. We've got different recruiters. Um, so uh, getting in is that sort of interperson relationship, which is going to just prove to be so important. No, a hundred percent. And also, you know, because those changes, as those numbers increase. That, that sign of neuromuscular fatigue is what the difference between using the plates and using the you know a vertex or a jump mat it actually shows up as. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And I mean, we're not as fortunate as someone like yourself that's got four steps. So like we're rolling everything through Excel and stuff. But the you know it's it's incredibly important to to be able to track this and, and monitor this and understand this. So I mean, we're in week forty three. 
coming into week 43 of the season, you know, and if you're, if, if your question is like, if you're under, trying to understand fatigue, you know, those are the sorts of things you need to be looking at. And especially from a, such an attritional game as rugby union, you know, game to game, you know, and understanding like minimal effective dose, which has been banded around quite a lot to truly understand that this is the level of detail that you need to go into. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. So then let's talk about how you're looking at it. How's the study set up? How are you breaking it down? And then how often are you looking at the guys and then anything that you might be noticing at the moment? Okay. So like at the moment we're, we're in just a data collection process. Um, and so what we did is we, we took, cause obviously we had to go through ethics and all that rubbish. So it took a little bit of time to get off the ground. So we managed to get it in just after Christmas. Um, and it's a real sort of simple design. We took a baseline off of a week off of three counter movement jumps. Um, then we look at one. So we look at a standard seven day turnaround for, for games. Um, and we're just taking two home games and two away games um, to justify sort of the the cost of the game, we're bringing in our GPS scores um, to look at total distances, high-speed running, um, and some of our mechanical load. Then, and then looking to compare to baseline, positionally, and game-to-game uh, -game comparison. So it's a real observational type of study design. And we're, we're not changing the schedules of the of the day. Like a main aim for me in this project when I was speaking to my supervisor is the fact that, you know, I'm not I'm not changing the way that our rugby schedule works. Like my boss is going to tell me to go get fucked if I'm going to ask him, can I do like four, four, three or four counter movement jumps at the beginning of the day? So there's no point. You, if you're going to do research, you've got to make it work in your environment because if it's going to apply and help anyone else they're going through the same problems anyway so why don't we just put your big boy pants on and just make it work so i've got like 15 minutes on a day like game day plus two before a lower body workout and then i've got 15 minutes on game day minus two before uh, our power workout um which is after the day off uh, and then and then that's it and then so we're testing you know we're looking at obviously so the game Saturday, the effects of that they following and the thursday following to see how they're uh recovering during uh during, throughout the week as well so how many jumps are they hitting in a row uh so they're just doing feet on a carousel rotation so we just get the boys in single file line in the gym alphabetical first name order get your jump in, go to the back. Second guy gets his jump in and they just do three after a standardized warm up. It's awesome. So just, yeah, it's like, it, it, we just try and make it really simple, you know, um, rough rest times. It's, it's like, you've got to do what you got to do. You know, it's like when you're in the gym, mm -hmm. especially you got to pack a forward, just like being in the zoo, mate. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, so when we do it with our kids, we're doing five jumps in a row, you know, and, and depending on the size of the group, you get, um, it's pretty orderly for the first few. Yeah. 
you know, so when it's like basketball and it's only like four or so guys, like that's easy. We run through that, no problem, and we move on. When it's the swimmers yeah. in the morning and there's like, you know, 15, 20 young women waiting, uh, you, you start to lose uh, some of that attention span, I guess you could say. Oh, yeah. Like we've got 45 players. Um, <laughs> so, you know, we, you just roughly cut that down the middle and a little bit more in favor of forwards. We've got roughly, you know, 20 odd guys in the gym at one time. Yeah. That's 20 true. alpha males. <laughs> yeah. Who probably you know. don't want to stand around and wait all that long. No, exactly. And, you know, it, it's quite nice. They've been actually, they've been really good. Like, you, you, you just be honest with them. I found, like, a lot of the time, like, so guys, I just need you to concentrate. Give me five minutes. Let's just get this done. Be grown-ups. Treat people like grown-ups. Yeah, and imagine that, right? You know, give, yeah, you give them that, that respect. And uh, and they and they pull through for you, you know, because at the end of the day, like I've explained to them, that this is going to help us going forward. Mm-hmm. We're not going to we're not going to rip up our artificial pitch and then go to grass next year. You know, this has got long term implications for this club, right? Which hopefully has yeah, long term implications for them as an athlete. Yeah, a hundred percent. You know, I'm, I would love like for it it to get published and potentially push this further. Um, because I think it's just got so so much uh, so much weight to it, you know. Looking at fatigue and, and especially that minimal effective dose. I remember telling you before about the, the player that we we just put him on fourteen day rollovers. Um, he's just like a high wide guy. Um, had a couple of like little hammy reactive hammies. Got sick twice. This was after he had a kid. And we put him on 14-day rollovers uh, for like eight weeks. And he came out, got a couple of man-on-match uh, performances, run his fart like around a 155 over 10. And it's like, you know, there's something to this. Mm-hmm. So for people that don't know, break down what your 14-day rollover with this guy was. Okay, so we... So in our in our schedule at the moment, like day day one, which game day plus two, you do, do like the install rugby, you do his lower body, and the following day is do his upper body. Then we'll have a day off, and then we'll do like our power work, which is basically a speed session for all these guys. And so that's like our standard sort of three hits of S and C in our in our seven days. So what we did is we just spaced that out. So uh, for every week, so say for instance week A, he would either do like a high high neural demand lower body or the the speed session on the Thursday. Then on the following week, he would uh, alternate those and and use the upper body as a as a as a strength hit, like a maintenance strength hit for him there. Um, when we were doing, say for instance, if he went for his high day like his high neural load with his sprinting on Thursday, on the Monday, we just did a lot of uh, hip capacity work, did some calf capacity. Uh, his workouts were about 25 minutes, did a lot of single leg work. We incorporated all the sling systems, which I think is real missed, uh, really missed a lot in training with people. Um, so we just looked to like tighten him up on those days, 20 minutes in and out. And then we just, and then we just carried on that, that 14-day block for, for four 
four blocks of 14 days and he just came out like flying it was it was really really exciting to see I sort of stole it from uh, like a track and field model he played in between um, but all I tried to do was take away as much stress or control as much neurological stress as I could from my role as an SNC coach um, and just those small adjustments seemed to, to have real big implications for him yeah it's crazy how when you back things down and you let them focus on what is most important, things tend to take care of themselves. Yeah, a hundred percent. And like, I definitely like. I'm not a head. I'm not the head. There. I'm I'm the number two, and so I'm good cop. And uh, like, you, you you constantly like you've got to buy in from the head coach. You've got to get this. You've got to do that. And it, which is which is definitely true. But also, you know, from that's kind of like a, a pointing out view if you want to get the put you know you're blaming other people for why the performance is not happening for your players when when you look in and go well let's just let's just remove some bits and pieces let's take my ego out of the way and and like you said just give them try to give them what you think is the minimum of what they need and you know in this case i was i was proved right Mm -hmm. and it seems Uh, to help the kid a ton yeah like he's 20 he's 29 nearly 30 so he and he ran he ran his fastest 10-meter sprint that he had run for, like, five seasons. So, like, that that, that just blew my mind. Like, I didn't even, I didn't even know that um, until he told me. Uh, but then I've also been proved wrong in, uh, <laughs> in what I thought was right for someone. Um, was completely wrong. Like, he, he, another guy had, a, had an old, he had a double ACL on the one knee, he had some ITB uh, shavings done, and it was all a bit of a mess, and he was reactive. And he had uh, he had three weeks off, came back, max velocity, 10-meter PB, and I'd been training him completely wrong the way forward. So, you know, you can't, you can't win them all. No, no, you can't. So when, when we're looking at all that, with how far this kid came and, and everything that you saw, and even the pluses and minuses, so the – the good things that, that we do as coaches and the, and the mistakes that we make, when we look at all that from afar, I know that it's not the right way to look at research because technically we're not supposed to be able to do this, but how do you see a physiological evaluation like this? Uh, because really that's what this, this jump monitoring is, right? Is monitoring the yeah. CNS. How do you see that helping track or monitor or, or put in place these longer turnarounds for athletes? Because what I see in, in our setting, what I could see is, especially with, with younger people now, if we can show them why we're handling them differently, this generation, I feel, is more in tune with doing things differently. Meaning, your jumps are different than my jumps, so Sam needs to do X and Jay needs to do Y, and this is Y. Yeah. Even if, you know, I've got to do a shit ton more work and I'm going to be pissed that, like, you know, I've got to do a small enough squat cycle today and you're going to go out and, you know, walk the dog or whatever. Um, yeah. I'm not going to be happy about that, but at least I'm going to be like, well, okay, I guess that's why, you know. Where do you see this driving that more? Where do you see things like this not just assisting in those decisions but helping drive and, and proves the wrong word but i think that you know what i mean by that like prove you right 
with how you're doing for the guys. Yeah, so I think I think what I and mean, you guess what you you're looking at there is like how we're like how we're justifying and is it our like the question is, is my guy gonna be ready to go for Saturday? And like with with this sort of with this sort of work, you're not you're not going to be able to boil it down to one number. It's obviously it's always going to be a combination of a few things mixed with a bit of common sense. Um, and I think like if you have that, like, if you ha- generally have that open and honest relationship with the player, and that you can explain to him like and show him like this is how you produce force. This is how we get you better. Um, and this is the numbers, uh, and this is the improvement. And then I think you're you're going to be fine. I think the the big stumbling block that you're going to get is when we try and push this out into the on-field demands and shaping the on-field training. Um, and that's all you know, head coach, head S and C relationship. Um, but are you saying that if you've got as as coaches as the coaches are going to be progressing they're coming through the 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 era of the development of strength and conditioning the new head coaches coming through would have had strength and conditioning in abundance and be a bit more receptive to it so therefore if you say you know that we need x amount of uh, high speed reps for this guy today this guy needs a little bit more volume how can we manipulate our training to do this then you know, the, the crux of it is we just got to go out and do our job. Mm-hmm. 100%. You know, I think, I think that, you know, like, oh, it, it does, it does drive, it drives me mad because always, sometimes you're always looking for something else that's, that's causing us this problem. That's causing us that problem. You know, we're not doing this. We're not doing that. Where it's like, how, how do we change the way that we do our things to make it better for our players? Can we do what I know that, you know, one of my guys in seven seconds at 40% on bench press got 15 reps out. And I've got one guy that struggles to get seven. You know, that's clear data to tell, to tell me that these two guys need to be trained in different ways. 100%. You know, and, and, and you can't ignore that. You know, any coach with a bit of common sense, you put someone under a bar at 80%, which is relative, the guy that moves it faster... Than the than the other guy is the guy that's more dominant for speed. Yes, you know it's it's right there in front of you, you know, and then you just use the like research like this to understand well when should they be doing it, when's the right time, when can we make them tired, or when do we just need to 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 tickle their balls a little bit and push them in the right direction. Yes. So let's, <laughs> let's, let's keep running down that way because I know that another thing that you're really big on is, is the speed development and that sort of thing, which ties hand-in-hand hand exactly in with, with looking at these outputs um, when it comes to, to force plate work. So let's yeah. talk about some, some things that you're doing with that because you do some really cool stuff with your guys when it comes to not just developing – like what what people in in America would would mistakenly call like track speed, but like actual like game speed type things. Let's talk about what you're doing with your gents out there with that a bit. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I think you know, uh, 
I some guy uh, me- messaged me about this on on the internet today, um, and you know fundamentally, if you've got a player that moves well, that's got a higher maximal output, they're going to be better, hands down. They've got a higher reserve. They can tolerate more volume. The operational cost of of the game is less. So therefore, it gives them more thinking time and space to be able to make the right technical and tactical decisions, which are the ones that ultimately win games. So what we do with the guys uh, at Ealing is we constantly hit mechanics. We sneak players in wherever we can through our drills, our basic drills. We're constantly doing it, and we're constantly drawing attention to those things. And you ask any you ask any athlete, what's the one thing they want to do? And they'll say, get faster, because you know, like you put the gates out, you know, because we're governed by time. Like rugby's an eighty-minute game, so if you can do things quicker in the sets, you're going to be better. You've probably got a higher chance of having a, a better outcome of a of a win loss. So. What we do with the, with the guys, like we started off this year um, with the big thing for me, we had a high turnover of player and I said to my boss, I want to be able to use my gates every week. I want to be able to monitor speed every week and the acceleration stuff in conjunction with our GPS. So we started um, speed gate inoculation process because you get the gates out, everyone's tail goes up, they all get hard-ons and someone blows a hammy. So what we did is with our drills, uh, we just put the speed gates on the on the sideline. Actually, the first step was I was going to tell that I told them the next session the speed gates are going to be out. Put them on the sideline. Didn't use them. Next session we set them up. Didn't use them. Next session we started playing a game called closest to the pin. So we we taught them the right sort of upright acceleration postures. Um, I'm loving Derek Hansen's be the hashtag at the moment. Um, so they're, they're the kind of shapes that we're looking for. But I said to the guys, I was like, I want you to do 10 meters in two seconds for me, please. And the closest to the pin wins. And what, what I'm doing there is putting constra- constraints. Uh, we love that word. Uh, putting constraints on the task. But what I'm actually getting them to do is uh, execute the timing, patience, force application and skill execution like all in all in one rep because if you're going to do 10 if you like my guys now we got some guys going under one six for 10 meter sprints so if i've got those guys having to go um at two seconds they're going to have to push they're going to have to be patient they're going to have to float and they're going to have to feel it so at the same time we're giving them all those external factors to think about but it brings them right back into that internal uh, feeling and sensation of what should be right. And it goes wrong. Like guys guys will, will overcook it, they'll undercook it. And, and it gives us a good opportunity to then, which leads into the conversation of gear management. And like the guys that hit the line well are the guys that hit it at the right speed. So they're making line breaks. And my biggest thing with the guys is like, how fast do you need to be running when you're hitting the uh, hitting the game line or taking on a player, and the answer we always use is faster than he can turn, or faster than the defender can understand your movement. So that's for you to read and make that perceptual decision. So like we're tying in all these t- 
tactical elements to it whilst underpinning and pushing them down that internal path of gear management, pushing, floating, relaxation. Um, and, you know, I'm trying to like really summarize a whole big sort of uh, minefield of, of, of elements. Um, and that's how, and then we start, we start short to long and, and we, and we build up through and we, we use this drill in the summer that we, we, I called it running up and down hills where they didn't, it was, there wasn't a hill in sight, but what they did is they, they, they went across the whole length of the pitch working on heel recovery. So as you go, we talked to them, it's like, as you go steeper up the hill, your heel recovery is going to have to be higher. So we go from heel recoveries for acceleration. Then we've got like our transitional elements and then our, our max V. So all they do is they start like a, it's the dribbles. It's an extension of the dribbles, which was very fortunate to go out to the Altis when it was the World Athletic Center, which when I learned about these, um, so they just they just recover like they they work on their hill recoveries going up the hill and by the halfway line they're probably going about sixty percent of speed and then the challenge is then because obviously it's a game it's a team sport game we've got to understand deceleration so they've got to understand their hill recoveries as they come hill the hill being the so you know because if you're faced in a situation on the field feel like a back starter play kind of like a, an nfl line of scrimmage the guy's going to have to hit it hard but then you may have to change direction and if he can if he can quote unquote run down the hill better which basically shift get down his gears without getting <clears throat> behind the pedal which what i call behind the pedal is when the hips become too far back in a deceleration posture because if they're too far back you, you lose your management of momentum to be able to get back on your gear to get out of the situation, such as change direction. So if they can't do that in those closed states, they're not going to be able to do it in the open, chaotic, fast environment. So we place a real big emphasis on that, and we, and we challenge it in the gym as well. There's some videos on my Instagram of how we kind of do, like we've progressed our wall drills into first step drills where they're banded from the foot, and the and the waist and they project themselves into into a rack a, a while it's like hamstring work but a while back Vern gambetta posted some stuff about it and we use that and they're in terms of we chase a lactic capacity with that in the gym as well so we go like six seconds how many hip projections can you get so when they <clears throat> they project all the way forward the back back they rebound they like reverse their step, rebound back into the ground and power out as quick as they can. So we're getting lots of sort of speed strength, alactic capacity work in there as well. And then we do that from different conditions. So we've just gone on to um, starting sideways and, and nailing a good hip projection on a crossover mechanic. So the target that we use is we put a 20 kilo plate on the floor inside the rack and they've got a plant that ball on the plate and project the hip over. So the reason why I use the plate and we don't put the, um, we just don't give them a spot on the ground is what I want them to do is anticipate the plate. Mm. So when they when they get out into the uh, the open environment of just running, what they've been conditioned to is anticipating uh, something that's about three inches, four inches higher than the ground, which gives them a good understanding of when they're moving a little bit faster that's how that's like 
a common sense idea of, you know, I've got to anticipate the ground, I've got to find the plate. And when they hit the plate and they're driving hard, they hit the ground, the hip projects. And that that's kind of kind of where I'm at. And we use the exogenies till we're blue in the face because they're, they're easy, they're great, I love them. Um, and the boys love it too. My props, my 125 kilo props, we do A skips, we do B skips, we do resisted skips, we do lateral shuffles. I've got 125 kilo guys moving on to uh, sprinter bounds now, um, which is something that like I just love. They love and I love, and you know the environment when we're out there is just, uh, it's amazing. It's amazing, so I feel real at home there. All of that awesome stuff, and it's freaking obviously doing the job and, and working great with the guys and the buy-in and the excitement is always awesome to see. But let's talk about where people can actually watch what's going on, see more of what you're doing. Because you put a lot of great stuff on the gram. So where can people follow more and, uh, and keep up with what Sam Portland's doing? Uh, okay, yeah. So, I mean, my Instagram is uh, sportlandfit. Um, and on, on YouTube, um, Sportland Training and Fitness. I think my mom gave me one of the best names ever because it lends itself lovely to social media handles. Um, and yeah, so if you type in uh, Sportland uh, Strength and Conditioning into Google, it'll take you to my website. Um, but yeah, a lot of stuff goes just goes straight onto, onto Instagram. Awesome. Yes. We're going to link both of those below. Make sure that you subscribe and that you're following Sam. Because he does put out some really awesome stuff, and he's helping drive us all forward. Sam, buddy, it's about time we got this down, man, because this is killer stuff. I can't thank you enough for spending the time with us, bro. No, thank you very much, Jay. I mean, it's a real privilege to be on your uh, podcast, and you know, I love what you're doing out there. You know, you know that, and uh, you know, I'm hopeful that I can get out this July um, to see the uh, see the guys in action and and the uh, the first Englishman as well on on, on stage there. Yeah, man, it's uh, I'm I'm actually stoked because all you guys coming over, we're gonna have some fun, man. I'm really excited that you guys are gonna be able to make it. And again, man, thank you so much for the time. This this is fantastic. I, I love it. People are gonna dig this, and uh, it'll be up real soon, bro. All right, thanks, Jay. I yeah, appreciate man. it, man. Have a great day, bro. Yeah, you too. Take care, man. You too, bud. See ya. And a huge thank you to Ealing Trailfinder, Sam Portland, for sitting down with us today. Guys, open, honest, candid sharing. The guy doing the research, diving into the data, and trying to find how the surface is going to impact your athletes is, is breaking it down for us right there. I can't thank Sam enough for being so open, honest, and candid with us today and, and was sharing all that he's doing with his guys out there at Ealing. This is uh, sensational stuff, Sam. Can't thank you enough. Truly appreciate it. Guys, make sure that you're checking out his website, his YouTube channel, Instagram, and Twitter. All that is linked in the trail, uh, in the notes for the show. Uh, make sure that you're staying up to date with all the great content he's putting out there. So follow him on Instagram, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and, and on Twitter because he does. He puts out a lot of great stuff just sharing and trying to help all of us be better. So Sam, thank you for that as well. And as always, guys, if you enjoyed the talk, please share it through the social media outlet of your choice. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever it may be. If you know anybody that could take anything from this talk, email, DM, whatever it is, tag them on the post. Again, we're just trying to get the best information out there possible to all the great coaches out there. And as always, guys, thank you for everything that you do for us here at Central Virginia Sport Performance. We will be back next week with another awesome guest.
We will see you then.